Regular gum is boring, but Icebreaker's ice cubes are different. They're fancy. Icebreaker's gum has flavor crystals, which deliver a rush of cool, refreshing flavor. Plus, they are delightfully cube-shaped, making them soft and satisfying to chew. Icebreaker's Ice Cubes Gum. Ooh, fancy. Pick up your favorite flavor today. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And this is the last time I will ever have to say those words. Aaron, this is a series wrap-up. We've waited 12-plus years to do this episode. Uh, <laughs> I, I said season six, maybe we should do this, the series wrap-up right now. Maybe we should just get it out of the way, because this might be it for The Walking Dead. No, turns out another six seasons have, have transpired, and here we are finally doing the episode. Uh, we got a lot of feedback from a lot of people. I know we're going to be covering that. Is there anything that we want to do before then? Do we want to do we want to uh, relive the Fiesta days of uh, Fiesta de Lori? The thing is, is we've already done a definitive end of show podcast where we did all that stuff and we <laughs> did know. it at the end of season eight when we rage uh, quit the show so if you want you want like the nostalgic look back out of all the little skits that we did and all the little voice stuff and all that so yeah check out the season eight finale the only thing we've added um, to the repertoire since then is the watcha watcha uh, yeah so and, so if uh, you want that just go back to the end of se- the middle of season 10 i can't remember when that was I feel like the Feral Daryl stuff might have been because like I was it's good. Rick voice was always my go to shtick, mm-hmm. you know, when Rick when Rick went away, I had to find something else. And the Feral Daryl is what stepped forward. So like that's uh, I definitely update the thing for that. Uh, and, and we also had the King. We had one skit in this era, of The Walking Dead, the King Ezekiel's uh, Ren Fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good time. It's good times. We've got, uh, yeah, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we got a lot of feedback. A lot of people have been, you know, doing this with us for those 12 years, and they had a lot to say, and I want to honor that as much as possible. I do want to key on something you said that this is the last time you're ever going to have to say these words about The Walking Dead, et cetera, et cetera. Are you making a solemn <laughs> uh, pledge to not cover any of these spinoffs or none of the, like, you're, you're done, done. There's nothing getting you back. I mean, I, I was speaking specifically to the words the, the Walking Dead, because if we're going to talk about any of the other shows, it'll have to be, you know, Fear the Walking Dead or The World Beyond or yeah, you know, one of the various. It'll have to be Maggie and Negan or D- Daryl Dixon or Rick and Michonne. That's true. I thought it might be fun to get some of the OG podcasters like Jason uh Kabasi from the dead cast or maybe jason and chris from the talking dead or something like it might be interesting to convene a council of podcasters and talk about experiences under this brand but like yeah i i i'm kind of surprised in the last few weeks how i flipped from like fuck all this shit i'm not gonna be to like i might check it out like you know 
just I, just for morbid curiosity. I, I guess my curiosity comes in like, how far have we diverged from our our other show host counterparts? Like, I, mm. are we? Those the lone voice out there saying this was kind of garbage for ninety percent of its run, <laughs> yeah. or have other podcasters come around to our way of viewing this thing? And how did they react to the Angela Kang era? Because yeah, that's that's I, been I, hit hit and or miss from time to time. So yeah, yeah, it it might be fun to do something like that. Yeah, that 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 might be interesting if if we do something like that. Um, you know, you, you, I guess I say subscribe to this feed. I, I will say that, like, um, just want to make sure everyone knows that there is another zombie show coming out mm-hmm. that I that I, I I have high hopes for. It's The Last of Us. It's going to star Pedro Pascal. Uh, it's got Craig Mazin or is it Mazlin? Mazin. Mazin. Yep. I finally got it right. Uh, that the director Chernobyl, uh, such uh, engaging. Um, and, and had a lot of kind of like post-apocalyptic stuff on it already. I'm very excited about that. We're going to be covering that day one. It starts January 15th on uh, HBO Max. And we'll have coverage. Uh, we'll probably have a, a kickoff, you know, the week before. And uh, now, unfortunately, I don't have a feed that I can turn you towards that. We haven't actually got that established. But I'm, I we are going to do it. If you want a feed that is going to 100% guaranteed be covering that podcast, check out Bald Move Pulp. That's where we put all of our spaceship, our dragon, our zombie type coverage in. And it's a pretty good follow. If you like Marvel stuff, you like Star Wars stuff. If you like, uh, you know, like I said, zombie stuff, uh, check that out. So so if you want to get all of our fantasy slash pulp stuff, go to Bald Move Pulp uh, in any podcast player you got. You'll be able to find it or on our website. Um, because I think, uh, especially if you're a fan of the dare, the promise of the Darabat days, this is going to be a thinking person's zombie show that mm-hmm. deals realistically with loss and love and relationships and the threat of the, the, the walking dead. I think, uh, the last of us might scratch that itch a little bit better than anything that the Mazeras and Gimples and Kangs were able to deliver us. Um, all right. Uh, I want to get started with Riley G. Uh, you talked about we're, we're the skepticism about the spinoffs. Uh, this is what it's. This is the, they're all about that. It says I cry bullshit on the Walking Dead's expanded universe. Seriously, what's more plausible for their new series? Is, is the Daryl spinoff somehow he makes it across the ocean to France? This backwards character has already been a fish out of water for twelve seasons. Are they really going to try to ten times that after he learns how to operate a sextant? Aaron, uh, you'll finally get your Master and Commander sequel. <laughs> I think they're going to posit that there's an effective transatlantic trade like this. This uh, these helicopter people are going to they're going to meet up with the boat people and they're going to have barges and shit. They're going to have mechanized travel across the Atlantic. Uh, Daryl's just going to strap some paddles to his to his back rotors uh, on his bike. He's just going to turn his bike into a paddle boat. A pontoon and, boat with a with a paddle wheel in the back. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And just okay. paddle its way across the Atlantic. I kind of hope it is a big sailing boat because I don't I don't know that I buy. Do you know how much fuel it costs for a large ship to go across the Atlantic? I don't either, but it's a lot. It's a lot. And like, you know, they've kind of been hazy about like where they're getting the diesel for this, that and the other and helicopters and whatever. But like if you're. 
regularly sending big boats across the Atlantic uh, or the Pacific, that's going to require like refineries and oil pump. And, and I don't know, maybe someone's rebooted the world that much, but like, mm-hmm. boy, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see how he gets in uh, Paris myself. Yeah, there's the, the uh, three ring binder people. I forget. Oh, whatever the, those three circles yeah. are. Whatever they stand yeah. for. The CRMs. I don't know. The Civic Republic, <laughs> Civil Republic Military, I think. Customer Relations Managers. Uh, <laughs> Salesforce that- <laughs> has gotten militant. They really put the force. <laughs> yep. And Salesforce. So yeah. They can have refineries. I don't know. I like. Yeah, I haven't watched the shows that tell us what they're up to, but uh, I, I plan to never watch those. Riley continues the roast. Maggie and Negan, what could really force them in a scenario so extraordinary that she can move past her soul-crushing first interaction? Get it? Crushing? Negan's past will be relitigated ad infinitum as long as JDM receives an AMC paycheck. What are the odds this is just a ruse to get a, uh, to pack a surprise emotional punch? This was sent in a couple weeks ago before the finale. The, the, the idea that these shows are so ridiculous that they're their cover, their cover for the fact that big deaths are going to happen and they want us to be super duper surprised because they've told us that it's not going to happen. And now it's going to, um, of course, so, that didn't come to pass. I, so, so, so they're just well, there's still a possibility, right? Episode one opens of Maggie and Negan and Negan's just killed by Maggie. She's like, yeah, remember all that stuff I talked about how I'm never going to forgive you. Well, this is it. And she kills him with a baseball bat. <laughs> and yeah. it's just, it's the, the show is still called Maggie and Negan for the next 12 seasons while they do that show. He's just dead in the first one. Uh, I mean, seriously, I don't think they're going to do that, but it would be pretty funny. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, or the world beyond of what I'm, I'm, I'm looking at audience numbers because, uh, I think that they're going to struggle to pull a one share. On this thing for any of the spinoffs, out. yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm when I'm looking at the uh, when, even Daryl Dixon, look, yeah. When I'm looking at the uh, the ratings for these shows, they're struggling to get to two million. And this last this back half season, they've been struggling to stay above the one million mark. Although the rest in peace did bring another million, uh, they've been waffling around, you know, one point three, one point four. Um, the rest in peace, the finale got 2.27. So almost a million people came back just to check it out. Uh, so I don't know. All they right. might, they might with the Daryl spinoff get to two, three million. <laughs> I don't think they That's the thing there. So, so there were 2.2 million people watching the first episode of season 11 and 2.27 watching the, the final, which means like 50,000 people or so hadn't seen anything of the season, but came back for the finale. Yeah. And then uh, like there's hundreds of thousands of people who watched the first and last episode of that season and nothing in between. What's even the point? Why even come back for the finale? You have no context. Maybe maybe those know. are the five hundred thousand or five hundred thousand a million people are watching on AMC Plus, and then they were like disgruntledly coming back because it wasn't on okay. AMC Plus that last. Okay, one. yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I it's uh, I I uh, I I yeah, I don't expect long runs of any of this stuff. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe there'll be two years of cashing out, and AMC will come up with something else. Um. Edward says, I've been a big fan of your Walking Dead podcast coverage for years. Well, thanks, Edward. 
Only reason I stuck with the show is in the, in the end is that you decided to come back and finish the series. So thank you for that. Maybe there should be a question mark. There's a period, but maybe there's a question mark mm-hmm. implied there. I'm also delighted to hear you'll be covering The Last of Us. I'll definitely be listening to your coverage on that. Again, check out Bald Move Pulp if you want to make sure you don't miss out a single episode. I'm from Ireland, relatively close to Paris in global terms. How would I cross the Irish Sea or the Celtic Sea to reach the continent in a zombie apocalypse? How Motorcycle with a paddle wheel. How Daryl's going to achieve this and cross the Atlantic is baffling. Again, motorcycle pontoon with a paddle wheel. Mm-hmm. I may have to watch at least one episode to see how they manage this. Is this what they're, he, is this if, what they're if, counting if, on? If he can hold a wheelie long enough, he doesn't even need the pontoons. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Are they care? Are they, are they, are, is this like a a train wreck phenomenon where they just they're just counting on looky loos? I you can't carvage right. I mean, they're not the they're not going to pull enough. I, I'm looking at the Fear of the Walking Dead numbers and they're on a similar trajectory as the walking dead which shouldn't surprise you like two million in season five like struggling to pull one at the end of season six barely pulling one at the beginning of season seven and now it's down to like half a million it's yeah and you look at world beyond it's brutal like they didn't get over uh 0.8 the entire second and the the final few episodes are 0.5 (laughs) <laughs> are, are the Funko Pop sales really so strong that like you can support an entire uh, TWCU on the backs of the sales of those? I don't know it. I I'm trying to set my expectations because it wouldn't surprise me if these things are just dead on arrival. Like they're not even pulling a mm-hmm. one. Like people got to the end of The Walking Dead and like thank Christ this is an off ramp. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm really curious, but like I also see because you said that like the legions of fun co pops, the video game people, the people that like have invested, uh, in this show, kind of like we have for twelve years. Like I wouldn't, maybe it wouldn't surprise me for like four million. For like did the Daryl Dixon spinoff. The, the mag, uh, yeah, but, but leading with it. the mag, like if, if they came back right away and they had the Rick and Michonne when ready to go, like I could see that getting pretty big numbers as a dedicated miniseries. I just don't know what Michonne or what Michelle and Negan are going to do. That's the one I really worry about. And it's the one that's leading off. If that thing struggles to get to uh, one million people watching it, man, I just don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know how you would get across the Irish Sea. Yeah. Sorry, I can't help you. Uh, a sailboat, a small sailboat, maybe. Um, I'm also kind of curious about the Maggie and Negan, Maggie, Maggie and Negan, Maggie, well, Maggie and Negan spinoff. They're probably two of the most interesting characters left on the show. Probably also watched the Rick and Michonne series. I'm man, I I feel like every time I get you feedback of this, I got to revise my estimate up by one. Um, sure. Dead, dead. Uh, two predictions. I predict Carol sacrificed herself to save everyone. Didn't happen. Uh, maybe a train filled with explosives like the end of V for Vendetta to take out the higher ups of the Commonwealth. Um, that sounds awesome. But alas, we just got the explodable subway tunnels. Mm-hmm. Double A Ron says first time. So, well, let me ask you about the exploding subway tunnels. I assume. Yeah. Did they just blow up all of Pamela's friends and and uh, major donors? Yeah, it looked or like they evacuate states. all of them. Oh, I know. I think they got. I yeah. I don't think they. I think they spared everyone. Hmm. Okay. Hey, don't shamble off. We'll be right back after the break. Regular gum is boring. 
but Icebreaker's ice cubes are different. They're fancy. Icebreaker's gum has flavor crystals, which deliver a rush of cool, refreshing flavor. Plus, they are delightfully cube-shaped, making them soft and satisfying to chew. Icebreaker's Ice Cubes Gum. Ooh, fancy. Pick up your favorite flavor today. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome back, Survivors. Here's even more about The Walking Dead. Double uh, Aaron says, long time, first time. I'll try not to ramble on too much, but I do have some thoughts as we wrap up this series I wanted to share. It's what we're here for. First, I feel like the series did itself a disservice when the walkers became something not to fear. In the early days, the show was legit edge-of-your-seat stuff. Think back to when Morgan's wife was turning on the doorknob. Yeah, creepy shit. Then it just went from one group of people to the other, highs and lows along the way, but I feel like they took the focus off much of the walkers and became an annoyance to be dispatched quickly. Okay. I don't know how you feel about this, because the comic, that's the bend of the comic, too, that, like, the zombies are, of course, everywhere, and they're omnipresent threat, and you've just got housewives and biology teachers and retirees trying to, like, fight this. But eventually, the survivors are badasses to where the dead are no longer that much of a challenge anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. Then the living become the real threat. I think that's really cool. The thing the 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 number one sin of the walking dead is that they didn't wrap this thing up in seven or eight seasons. Yes. Oh, seven and eight. It might be too many. I think five seasons you you could have done. You could have cut back on like the repetitiveness of some of the comic stuff, too, because like Going from community to community and finding out, oh, yeah, these people are assholes, too. And then fighting against them became repetitive after the governor. Like, yeah, season four ends that arc. They they spent two seasons on that. Do a season three that is the governor. Do a season four that is. Do you need anybody else? Do you need Terminus? Do you need all that shit? Maybe Terminus. Do a season five with the Whisperers. Maybe a season six. I don't know. It seems, yes, the show's biggest sin is it went on way too long. I think that they had something there. You have the governor who is the first shot where we see like a resemblance of civilization coming, but he's just batshit crazy. Then you've got Terminus, which is people that seem like they're welcoming, but they're just cannibals. They're batshit crazy, too. You got Alexandria, which is. They're essentially Rick's group. They're well-meaning, but they're just unseasoned. They 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 mm-hmm. were this just just lucky people that were born into a society, a place where they could pull off something and they could be self-dependent, and but they didn't have any plans for like when other hostiles would show up. And then Negan, which is the essentially the governor, but smart and like mm-hmm. calculating and not crazy. Like Negan's many things, but I don't think he's I don't think he's like clinically insane. And then you got the whispers. And then I guess the 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 Commonwealth would work as like kind of like a final tying the boat. Like, you know, this is like a synthesis of all the big bads that come before. 
I, I think yeah. that's pretty, but like you Maybe just have to eight. move through it, man. Like seven, yeah, seven seasons, and just like each season should have been a community that our survivors square off against after the first two, which are essentially just surviving as family groups, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, even that would have felt repetitive. I don't know. It, it, they, they needed a hook maybe. more than just like new community. Oh, they're bad too. And that's yeah. it. I mean, Alexandria was kind of the only departure from that. Yeah. Cause they weren't bad. They were kind of right. like selfish and lazy, but they weren't evil. Not and then Dina's a little green, right? They just like, they didn't know what they, they were know, doing. They didn't know what it's like out there, Jim. <laughs> right, uh, right. I think is what you're trying to say. No. And I think the other thing is like, it's not just the seasons. It's also the fact that each season was supersized 16 yeah, episode season split into two. So you always had weird pacing things. Um, yeah. I think this is, if this was a, a seven season run of 10 to 12 episodes, that's, that's so much, so much better. Um, and I think that like all this other stuff about like the zo- like the fact that you'd have to worry about getting bored of zombies and get bored that stuff doesn't because you're just like rapidly going through which I think is pretty good the material that I saw in the comic book which almost always better than than the decisions they made in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, Aaron says I wish they'd explored more of the CDC type of stuff is really interesting research maybe find some uh, pointing something pointing towards a cure. Just felt like something could have explored instead of big bad guy and group X. Um, do you know that this is? I, I read an interview from 2020 of Robert Kirkman, where he says his biggest regret in the whole of Walking Dead is the CDC episode in season one. He said hmm. it, it gave way way too much to the survivors. Things that should have been mysterious weren't. The world became larger instead of smaller. It's it's funny because this is Aaron's favorite part or double Aaron's favorite part, and it's Kirkman's worst worst misstep. He says, "I mean, maybe it's a misplaced episode. Maybe season one is not where you want to do that." But yeah, yeah, I understand that. But it's wild if you do it in episode the season three. Like this guy's been holding on like a year or two into the apocalypse. Like it's. It's one of those things like either you shouldn't have done it at all or that's probably where you do. It. I don't know. I, I like mm-hmm. the the CDC episode on balance. I thought that's pre- the only one that I really don't like in season one is like Vatos, I think is the one. Sure, sure. Uh, Cohen uh, had some thoughts uh, the, with the penultimate episode. I got to say that The Walking Dead has blown my fucking mind after what, in my opinion, is one of the shittiest episodes in season 11. This comeback of an episode is fantastic. There's so much to love, and even if not many people died this episode, it still felt brutal. Lydia losing her arm was unexpected, and I immediately blanched as she has become one of my favorites. Judith getting shot was sudden. Even though I think she'll survive, Daryl's immediate tunnel vision and obvious terror made me feel a lot. Um... That shot of him running through the smoke and haze carrying Judith was moving, especially with the music, which is another thing to talk about in this episode, as I think they absolutely nailed it. Yeah, it seems like Bear really got up for these last few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some really signature pieces of music being made in late season uh, Walking Dead. Cohen says, another thing I liked was Pamela's uh, spiral out of control this whole episode and her decision at the end to just abandon her population in favor of protecting the rich, which I felt was very similar to what happened in, say, uh, Hurricane Katrina, especially with the mention of the wards. Uh, I don't know if that was intentional. I know it's not just uh, New Orleans has wards like Houston has them, too, and stuff. But like it, Mm -hmm. I definitely felt some kinship there. Yeah, she's a fool, though. 
I mean, what? <laughs> okay, so she preserves all her uh, big money donors. Where does her workforce come from? Where does her labor come from? Who supplies her with the amenities that she is so used to when her her uh, underlings get decimated? Well, they wouldn't be the first autocratic regime to not really consider the impact of, you know, <laughs> demonizing and, and, and sacrificing your underclasses. <laughs> you know, like, fuck. Fair. Fair. Who's going to take out the trash? Who's going to shovel shit? Who's going to mm-hmm. do the laundry? Who's going to uh, who's going to f- f- program the timer on my the clock on my VCR? Yeah, as as uh, she said in the last uh, episode, who's going to do the jobs no one wants to do? Well, we're going to have a chore list, okay? And we're going to make yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, I felt the group desperately fighting through the streets while getting pinned in was a tense and reminded me very much of when not only Negan used the same strategy to trap them, but also when the Terminus folks herded them into the A-car. There's one more thing I wanted to add that I think might bring back some happy memories of your guys' early Walking Dead podcast, as I've been recently been listening to your early Season 4 podcast and stumbled upon this gem of a nickname that you guys use for Patrick, the kid who's the first to die in the flu epidemic. This is the prison arc. Okay. As you call them, not making this shit up, Boris the pig fucker. Now, <laughs> what? Why? I don't know where the pig fucking came into it, but and I'm like, why do we call him Boris the pig? I looked this guy up, and it's because he looks exactly like Alan Cummins. Okay, okay. as Boris, the evil Russian hacker in James Bond's Goldeneye mm-hmm. installment. So sure. I don't, I don't know where the pig fucking came out, but he <laughs> is. I'll stand by the Boris comparison for sure. All right. Uh, he was not invincible. In fact, uh, moving on to Mike from St. Louis says, I'm sure many of us would love a final Al and Joe hot take on the watching dead before the walking dead yeets off the airwaves. Best of upcoming holiday wishes. Well, thanks, Mike. You know, we've been trying to get Al and Joe nailed down uh, mm-hmm. since their disastrous appearance in season nine of the walking dead for us, where they, they did that unfortunate mishap with uh, Daryl Dixon's drive. Uh, and it is like they're, 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 they're cagey. They're cagey. Wily negotiators. We still haven't got him. We 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 tried to get him. We we thought it like, oh, you know what? We we'll bring him back because we don't want to watch. Uh, what is this show? Uh, what's the show that we're that everybody Succession? loves except for us? Succession. We don't want to watch Succession. Maybe Alan Joe will do Succession for us, and then Jim got cold feet. Like, oh, what if it turns into a fiasco? Can we? Yeah. Trust what if Jim these guys aren't professional enough to show up each right? week? You know. Right. Right. So we could we couldn't get him. Maybe maybe one of these spinoffs would be a good time for them to return. We just got to get him nailed down the contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wondered object. I can't believe the show is finally ending somewhat. It's truly hard to believe that it's lasted this long. And I want to say a few things. Bald move by way of the Watching Dead podcast taught me an incredible life lesson. You don't know. You don't owe anyone or in this the case of The Walking Dead anything. Let me explain. I used to be one of those people who had to finish things out, even when I wasn't enjoying it. The show was one of those things. I loved the first two seasons, but really came to hate it as the show went on. Oh, no. Then Glenn died, and the way they handled that was the last straw for me. Granted, I might have a bigger gripe with AMC and how they handle things, but that's beside the point. Uh, But I was so loyal to the show that I kept on watching. It wasn't until you guys decided to stop covering it that I decided to do the same, and damn, my life's been better since. And I've used it in all aspects of my life. Shows, jobs, relationships. If I'm not benefiting from it, then it's best to cut ties. Most recently, I've stopped following my beloved Raiders, uh, and that's been a breath of fresh air. Once Mm. you came back, I followed, but I've had no regrets about that. I'm happy to hate watch the show not knowing 
uh, now knowing that you'll be going uh, to put out an incredible podcast that week. So thanks again. Question mark. Uh, yeah, I feel like this would have been a better statement at the end of season eight when we quit as opposed to the end of season 12, 14, whatever it is after we've come back for another few. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I, I take your meaning, right? Like it, we quit and then we heard it was good again. And so we came back to it. You know, we thought maybe it would benefit us. Um, I, I think it's, life it's, fair, it's fair to say also if you quit something and you realize hey actually that thing that uh, I quit was has either gotten better or my life has changed and it fits in now and I think it would make me happy I, I think there's an opportunity to to reclaim some of those things but yeah 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 we came back yeah. and it, it, it hasn't been all roses it has not but it's been a lot of fun and it's an underrated life lesson that if things suck, you can just bone out. You can just fuck off and mm-hmm. bone out and yeah. drop out and get the hell out and not spend any more time and energy. But also, yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, it's 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 always good to give something a second look, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it can um, be. We'll say that. Uh, Wondered says, I do have a bit of sentimental value to this show my wife and i started dating the month this came out and it's pretty much our first show we started watching together she didn't jump back in when i mm-hmm. did but still it's pretty fun to look at things like that the show has been with me through our dating years engagement marriage and now two kids it's just very fun to look at it like that i same like i yeah. uh you know went from dating to cohabitating to buying a house to getting married my son went from being three probably still working on not shitting his pants to he just got his driver's license like it's big chunk of my life here like i've covered the walking dead longer than i've ever had a job otherwise for sure and it's not even close it's not even close oh yeah yeah. i'll be honest i might give in and watch a spinoff with rick or the other ones once the season is released in full i'll definitely be watching if you guys are well boy it's putting a lot of pressure on us not to watch these shows i feel like I feel like we're the people like, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll shoot up heroin again. Yeah, sure. Sure. We're all we're all clean and sober now. But, you know, it was some good times when we were doing it. I feel mm-hmm. like maybe we should just not not do the heroin. Yeah. If you guys do it, I'll do it. Thanks for uh, everything, you guys. Uh, Bald Move has been with us through the same stage as life. Both my kids are born on a Friday, so we'd watch a lunch after they were born. LOL, bald move is part of the family. Oh my god, I didn't. I did not consent to be in the delivery room. Uh, I probably saw and heard things I did not sign up to hear and see. <laughs> I mean, they probably did too. But <laughs> given true. the topics of lunch, Jesus, oh my god, we we should have a nightmare birth rotation for like what are the worst lunches to listen to while you're going through labor. <laughs> sure, as voted by the bald move moms. Mm-hmm. Lunch number one. Uh, Shane Jam says, I think season 11 is actually the worst season. It's boring me to tears. The dialogue was terrible. Artificial dangers left and right. Car crash over nothing. Walkers popping out of nowhere. But I think the worst part is the Commonwealth is the ultimate big bad falls just way short. They're not scary. Not interesting. There's not a real menacing villain. Obviously, The Walking Dead has been going downhill for years, but I think the season's officially the worst. Your thoughts? Where does the season land in your rankings? We'll see how it wraps up, but I'm just ready to get over with and put a bullet in its head. Man, so that's the thing. Season Hmm. 11 felt like a return to form of The Walking Dead and not in a good way. Yeah, I mean, season eight is clearly the worst. I I think, like, without a doubt, 
uh, I would put that at the bottom of the list, but yeah, I mean, there have been some colossal missteps in season 11, Mm. but, but overall it hung together, I think better than uh, season eight. Yeah, I just, they, boy, stretching out the Negan arc to three seasons really fucked that up. Mm-hmm. Really fucked that up pretty bad. Because um, that, yeah, that's probably the, it's probably the right answer. And it's the one that, like, it's also the one where the hope kind of died. Um, Because, like, four, five, and six, I don't think objectively were any better than two, three, uh, two and three, the Mazera run, but we had hope that Gimple's like, well, you know, mm-hmm. he hasn't had that much experience, and he did write that one episode that kind of like redeemed Lori, even while we were having a fiesta cast celebrating her death, and kind of made us feel like assholes. Mm-hmm. And he's got some. He, I think he's a fan of the material, and he's got. And I, I don't know. Maybe we were one of the ones that made him into a monster because it turns out he just turned into a guy that you couldn't tell a goddamn thing to because he was the showrunner of a show getting eighteen million eyeballs. 36 sure. million eyeballs because there's each each one of those people had two uh, and you couldn't tell him anything. And yeah. and he's kind of still like that, like that thing he wrote that the uh, epilogue he wrote for Rick and Michonne is embarrassing and he's bragging about it on all the after shows. So, yeah, yeah. But but 11, as much as I like Angela King, I think that there is just too much, too much bullshit, too much rug pulls. uh too much just just yeah too much pressure to come up with a finale for a show that's not really ending it's not really ending um, yeah no and, the weight of the walking dead franchise was crushing down on her and i i don't know yeah. that you could stand up against that weight uh any better than she did yeah but i don't know because like i think the best season is season one that's <laughs> sad that is sad yeah. They should have just stop uh, there. Just CDC episode in the season done. One one and I, done. And then I think if we went back and watched season two, that would we would see that as probably the glory years too. Because there was some just oh, yeah. really stupid shit. The Glenn Well like already you can see the strain for making more show for less money. Mm-hmm. But then three, you know, if uh I, I feel like Four, five, and six, where you get the the core of the early Gimple years. You got the post prison arc. You got the beginning of the Negan. There was still this kind of hope that then died beneath the the dumpster with Glenn, and mm. the show just never kind of. I don't think the show ever recovered from that. No. And if you look didn't. at the ratings, you could. I think that's clearly where the rose, the the bloom fell off the rose for the walking. It's where it became apparent. What kind of storytellers we were dealing with people who were not interested in, in painting compelling characters and compelling narratives. They simply wanted to shock you and surprise you and use that as a crutch uh, to get people to come back next week to see the exciting resolution. Right. And that's what you didn't need. There was again, 18 million people watching this. You were doing fine. Right. Why did yeah. you have to punch this shit up, man? No, it was the Glenn, the Glenn dumpster just laid bare all of the sins that The Walking Dead was committing on a weekly basis, and it was no longer ignorable. Yeah. Um, Seawell's got some strong feelings about the finale. Stink, stank, stunk. Very holiday appropriate here. 
awful. Excuse me. Did we not just go through three whole episodes of everyone losing their shit because the Commonwealth took their children? In the first possible moment they can, Judith convinces Carol and fucking Daryl Dixon, the prime person Rick and Michonne asked to take care of her, to take her into a fucking coup at the Commonwealth. Even this show had to remove her plot armor for such negligence, and she jumps in front to save Maggie and Isle the Dead spinoff. Eugene just out there throwing a fucking cloak and turning onto solid mullet snake, knocking on walls and ambush beating uh, Commonwealth soldiers like the Dark Knight. Where are we going? What are we doing? Uh, well, we're trying to we're trying to finish this show. I guess if I have to take a issue here, is like I didn't have a problem with Judith being brought along because I think she made a pretty compelling point of like. <laughs> God damn it. The problem is Judas should have been Carl. This should have been yeah. Carl's moment of I am taking up my father's t- torch and I'm a grown ass man. Uncle Daryl, I'm 18, 19 going on 20. I can be risked on these commando yeah. missions. And instead, it's an 11 year old girl who has got a good heart. And yes, all of her reasons for wanting to fight are valid, but she's just 11 years old and it just doesn't work. But. We couldn't pay Chandler yeah. Riggs too much money to be the star, to be the emotional heart of the show three seasons ago. So fuck all that, you know? Well, it's because they knew they had six more seasons to go and they'd probably have to pay him millions by the end of it. And they were like, yeah, let's yeah. just get somebody new. They'd have to cut three logs out of the Hilltop's wall budget if they mm-hmm. paid this guy. Don't shamble off. We'll be right back after the break. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome back, survivors. Here's even more of The Walking Dead. Gretchen from Virginia says the worst possible ending I can imagine AMC coming up the walking dead is some kind of end or cure for the zombie virus. Could the evolving walkers be the end of the virus? If everyone is affected, I don't see how, how much is Robert Kirkman involved in the show in the past? I've been against main character deaths, but come on. Negan never gets any bad karma for all the bashed in heads. Gabriel's forgiven for locking out his parishioners to be eaten. Where's the justice? Gretchen says, P.S. You should read the comics. I, I plan on it. I've been waiting. I am going to get uh, to get the omnibuses. I'm either going to buy them or get them from the library because hmm. uh, right. the last I read was the beginning of the Whisperer arc. So hmm. a shit ton of happened. I would love to compare and contrast. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess like I kind of thought maybe the cure for the zombies plague was going to be the end of the like, you know, that now the humanity's back on a path where they could recover from this. I, I, I mean, think that might ru- still be the goal, just not in The Walking Dead, right? In the larger franchise. Right. 
And I didn't think it would ruin, I guess it would ruin The Walking Dead in the case that The Walking Dead would be over at that point. But I mm-hmm. thought that would be a satisfying conclusion of, you know, humans, even in an apocalypse, being ingenious enough or, or that the virus burns itself out. Uh, it'd be really interesting if these smart zombies is like a step in that direction and this virus is mutating. So will it eventually mutate into a place where it doesn't reanimate the dead? I don't know. I don't think it has to be the end of The Walking Dead if there are no zombies. I think they could come out with a show called like Undead. (laughs) Yeah, Undead The Walking Dead, where they've taken all the dead out of The Walking Dead. Oh, The World Beyond The Walking Dead. That would have been a good one for that. (laughs) It could have been, yeah. And and you could just have these micro stories about the reestablishment of civilization, right? Um, Which I always saw would be was such a cool hook. I know. I love the civilization reboot attempts, yeah. Uh, as far as Robert Kirkman, hey, here, here, as far as yeah, go ahead. Uh, oh, I was going to talk about Justice in the Walking Dead because like there, there's a, an inherent assumption built in here, or inherent like feeling that the only justice for these people is death. And I think there has been a bit of justice for Negan. Negan yeah, spent I agree. a long ass time in a dank prison cell, um, in in, a, in somebody's basement. Uh, and he has had a lot of time to think about his actions, to dwell. He, they've been thrown in his face many times. I think like he he has changed. And I don't think I don't think, you know, if you commit a sin, you deserve death and that's it. No matter. No, almost no matter how heinous the sin is. I think there yeah. can be redemption. There can be um, justice that is outside the scope of just like, oh, let's kill him. Plus, Negan had a tragic start. Like, I can easily imagine if if uh, Shane had managed to kill Rick. I, I imagine our group turns out kind of like, you know, Governor Negan. Like, because Shane was on yeah. a real bad path. Like, being so fixated on protecting the ones that he loves that he become. I could easily see him become a tyrant. Uh-huh. Um, totally. So, like, yeah, I, I think that that's, like, literally the the story of the of Negan. And I, I get that, like, if you're a Maggie or a Herschel that you don't, there's nothing he can ever do to uh, make that up to you. But, like, you know, societally, that's, you know, like, if we let it, left it to the mothers and fathers of slain children to dispense justice, well, then they, we wouldn't need jails, right? You just kill people mm-hmm. because, of course, you know, um, but that's 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 not kind of how we do it. So I, I thought that stuff was interesting to explore. And I actually thought some of that stuff like Gabriel's redemption, not just being because it's not just enough for people to forgive and move on. You have to forgive yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and like his crisis of faith, all that stuff. I thought that was pretty well realized. And I also thought Jeffrey Dean Morgan, you know, like his evolution of Negan through the seasons was pretty good, too. But, yeah, you know. Uh, I'm not going to argue with anybody as far as um, Robert Kirkman being involved. As far as I can tell, Robert Kirkman stopped writing his own comic books. Like he, Mm -hmm. he claimed that like at the savior war that they were halfway through. And I, and, and like he had this grandiose plans of like, it's uh, uh, Carl's going to take over eventually. And it's going to be kind of his story and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Um, I think in much less than half of the remaining uh, issues, if he were to write it out with the Savior War being the midpoint, uh, that he wrapped things up um, in a pretty abrupt fashion is what I heard. Mm-hmm. So, and I also, 
Uh, I, I, he's still credited as an executive producer, just like everybody else, uh, just like the 17 other people. And mm-hmm. they just this week, no, two weeks ago, dropped a $200 million lawsuit where he's jo- uh, joined by Gail Ann Hurd and I think Mazzara and a few other. Everybody is not uh, Darabont. <laughs> everybody already got theirs, yeah. Yeah, because Darabont settled for $200 million two years ago, which feels like this is where the starting uh, uh, price came out there. They they've they've they filed a brand new lawsuit against AMC for them screwing over. So I don't think Robert was that involved in the late stages of The Walking Dead, but mm-hmm. he still gets favorable. He still gets favorable interviews like almost every season, like someone and he's 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 not not talking bad, probably because that would be actionable. But anyway, uh, Pat says, I know you and many others have been discussing about how the Maggie ne- Negan spinoff can happen. What are the snares that will put them together in New York? Speculation is that Herschel and or Annie will die, etc. I've had a horrible thought. The Daryl spinoff will start with Daryl waking up in France and I have no idea how he got there. Would AMC possibly do the same thing with Maggie and Negan spinoff? Could they both just, Everybody. Both just wake up in, in New York City with no idea how they got there. Uh mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good way to get less than a million people watching it in your first season. Like if you pull like the reverse, it was all a dream. Like, uh-huh. you know, I one of those, maybe if Daryl is got briefly and, and and he wakes up in France, he doesn't know how he got there. And but like you can't do that for everything. <laughs> Show really. You should do it sleep for one. one night, wakes up in Canada. <laughs> Fuck. How'd I get here? Oh, my God. Turns out he's not. He's just been taken to Kings Island, north of Cincinnati, and he sees the <laughs> Eiffel Tower. And he's like, I'm in, fr- you know, I'm in France. <laughs> Holy shit. J- Jerry falls asleep one night, wakes up in Narnia, goes, how the fuck did I get here? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, Christopher says, clearly, you guys haven't watched the world beyond the three circle circles are from the CRM. The group Jadis took Rick to that's the civil Correct. Republic military. I have not watched the said, world beyond I've not watched it. have no plans to watch the world beyond probably super fascinating stuff in there, but, uh, I'm barely die hard enough to finish this series, let alone start another. I mean, they, they fooled me once with the fear of the walking dead. Remember when we were excited about that? Yeah. Wow. We'll get the actual see the fall of L.A. And that's going to be fucking awesome. And they they yada yada through it for a second time. Yeah. Jesus. Matt Wood. Are you guys glad you made a decision to come back to this show after a break? What seasons were your favorite? What seasons are your least favorite? And last, what are your thoughts on the numerous deviations from the comics the show has taken over the years? Cheers. And I look forward to new episodes of your other shows. Uh, well, thanks, Matt. Um. I am glad that we came back to The Walking Dead, actually. I thought, because you you, were, you might not know this, but we rage quit season nine. Our friend Jason Kabasi from The Talking Dead uh, called me and wanted to know if I wanted to get, for old time's sake, together with him and do some random early episode season nine thing with him and his co-host. And I'm like, sure, I would love to do that. So I watched, I think, the first three episodes of The Walking Dead in season nine and uh, like an icy grip, a hand grip my heart like, oh, my God, maybe we fucked up the new showrunner. This stuff mm-hmm. is looking kind of cool. Um, and and I felt like maybe we'd made I don't I think we'd always kind of like in the back of our mind thinking we were making a mistake because we walked away from The Walking Dead when it's still a pretty big show for us. It's still mm-hmm. a pretty big show for us. But like. You know, it was really bad. And Jim was starting to feel like I think your thought is like we are killing ourselves professionally 
because like how can people take us seriously when we're covering something that's like really good when we're covering this gutter show and we're just doing it because it's got numbers like what mm-hmm. but yeah and it, it was just getting to be week after week watching this terrible show knowing that i had to come up with you know my thousand word essay on it uh yeah it, it was just it was becoming not fun for me yeah so taking a break Coming back to it in the pandemic where, you know, like this is big, unprecedented thing gave us the kind of the cover to kind of like go back and 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 catch up to where we're at and try to catch up to where the show was. And, you know, the community kind of got behind us because what else the hell are you going to do in the middle of a pandemic where you're stuck outside and do all that? <laughs> I, I honestly it's all worked out the best. And I feel like as long as we're always trying to do things for the right, you know, like. Staying and covering the show that we hated because it got good numbers is an AMC thing to do. Fucking bailing on the show uh, and coming back chasing two and a half years later in the middle of a global pandemic. That's a fucking bald move thing to do. And we will continue (laughs) to do those things. That it's actually getting good again, right? So I also want to say, like, one of the big reasons we quit was because I have this, this strong feeling that, like, and this is true, like, no press is bad press. And the more we talk about The Walking Dead, the more it encourages people to buy into this bad show. Um, And and there's so much good television out there. We're going to spend our time focused on this. Why? Um, And and that was really weighing on me in the depths of season eight when it was just a garbage fire of a show. Uh, You know, and once season nine comes back and is under new direction and is is reportedly pretty good as reported by my co-host here who had seen a few episodes i'm like okay man we'll see how it goes and then season nine was pretty good overall and it was like all right maybe it's time to come back to this because it's a show that i can honestly point people to and say this is worth your time yeah and it, it, it was just like season after season was not worth people's times in the middle of this thing and I felt bad pointing people to it and saying, this is a thing I'm watching and and letting letting that be some kind of indicator of its quality. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're covering it, I think, is is an indicator of its quality mm-hmm. and to, to some degree. When when we are, we have a limited amount of time that we can devote to shows, it, us us giving it any coverage seems like we're sanctioning it at least a little, or we're encouraging people to watch it at least a little bit. So I was, I was very much feeling the weight of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we definitely, I mean, but then I guess we got, we were gratified that lately it's not, I'm still watching because of you guys. It's mostly, um, I'm not even watching anymore. I'm just listening. That's the best case scenario (laughs) where you're just supporting us. You're not giving any (laughs) eyeballs to AMC. And uh, you're not you're not selling yourself by 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 the physical act of watching the show. Uh, we are I your, the same you, thing with we are with your Star hazmat Wars. suits. We 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 do this stuff so you don't have to. Yeah, we're we're releasing uh, our coverage of Andor pretty soon for our club members. Uh, yeah, run off the clock. And I I did the same thing with Star Wars. I said Star Wars sucks right now. Star Wars is garbage. They haven't spot. made anything good in 25 years. Way longer than that. I mean, they they haven't made anything good in ages. I can't cover these shows. And so I didn't, I said, I'm not covering Andor. I'm not even going to watch Andor until I hear 
that Star Wars has turned it around. And I heard that Star Wars turned it around. And so we did a couple of episodes on it. I really want to cover season two if we have the time in our schedule when it drops. I, I just don't feel like I can honestly point people to shows with my coverage of that show if it's not a good show. Even if I'm having fun podcasting it. Yeah, it's sometimes it's at some point you feel like a, a, a obligation to the brand and to the community to not steer them steer them awry. Uh, what's funny? Like I, I don't know. Maybe because we're not publicly traded. If we're publicly traded, we'd be a lot worse off. But like, yeah, it's like if AMC zealously guarded their brand as 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 half as well as we try to watch <laughs> after the pips. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, Carly says, I was listening to an old Ty and that guy podcast, and they're talking about the value of good writing. I know that Ty Frank, and of course, this is one half of the dynamic writing duo that came up with the Expanse series, the mm-hmm. books and the television series we love. We love so much. Uh, what if Ty Frank was hired to write for the Walking Dead, a Walking Dead spinoff? Would you watch it then? Oh, boy. Probably. I would want to see what he does with this world. Um, yeah, I still wouldn't have any faith that he that his vision could be realized in a meaningful way because the 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 constraints of budget there might not allow mm. for it. But mm. I would at least give it a try. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pedigree, especially when it comes to writers and directors, carries a, not so much actors. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, like I I I remember. Uh. Man, what the heck? I I, I was thinking like I I remember when I was a kid, I really loved Star Wars. Right. And I thought, uh, yeah, I I just was in love with Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. And I watched the night the light went the the lights, the night the light went went out in Georgia just because Luke Skywalker starred in it. And now I learned at a very early age, I was about six years old, that just because someone that you liked in one thing is in another thing doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. Uh, now, I will say that like directors and writers, that pedigree is a little bit more because they're actually generating the ideas. They're not just totally. a face. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, if I heard that like Damon Lindelof was going to do The Walking Dead because he got in the wild, like, oh, you can say a lot with Frank. Or I heard Ty Frank, or I heard that like Craig Mazin is going to do a zombie show, which he is. Uh, mm-hmm. the last, the last of us. Yeah. I, I would be super interested in that way more than I would be. Um, I was a lot more interested in the Daryl Dixon show when I found that Angela Kang was, was show running it, but she got kind of squeezed out or booted out or I, they, they moved it to France and she didn't want to move to France. I, I don't know exactly now she's doing some kind of Marvel thing, but yeah, I, I would be much more inclined if they had that kind of pedigree. Mm-hmm. Mike, like you, I was fully intending to stop watching uh, after this, but the AMC suits got me with those final Rick scenes. Was that Giancarlo Esposito in the helicopter loudspeaker? My God, if they got him, I'm all in on the Rick series, especially if he's a twisted military officer for the CRM, the helicopter people, the three ring symbol. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Now, Hmm. I could not confirm or deny I saw a lot of people speculating as if it did sound like Giancarlo Esposito. Obviously, I didn't think so, because if I did, I would have talked about it. But this goes back to Mark Hamill. It Just because you get Giancarlo Esposito, and it makes a lot of sense for AMC to try to continue that relationship, because, you know, we see HBO tends to have a stable of people, and mm-hmm. AMC kind of has that. It would make sense, but, like, him being the villain of a show is not enough for me. 
single-handedly I, I mean take a look at the show revolution Giancarlo Esposito was in that I did I did take uh, a look at it I watched some of it too it's it's not an amazing show no uh the boys is pretty good he's a big villain in that but uh uh-huh. he's he's really good and a really good show uh I've seen him be really good in a terrible show and mm-hmm. I've seen him be really good in a mediocre show uh John John Carlos Pizzito tends to be really good in whatever he's in. So not enough to get me back, but I'd probably watch Rick. I'd probably watch the first couple episodes of Rick just to see. Uh, ben says, man, what a big piece of my life you two have been lately. I dropped from here, Walking Dead mid all out war for reasons you can't imagine. After hearing about Carl and Rick, I just didn't care. I still kept myself wondering. And last year I started rewatching some of my old favorite shows and The Walking Dead made the cut. Uh, once I hit where I left off, I decided to keep going and I binged up to season 11 and then I found your podcast, which I inhaled after binging the shit out of you two. I'm finally caught up. He got caught up just <laughs> on the precipice shit. of the finale. All right. Now I'm about to watch the finale, but I'm more excited about listening to your podcast. It's the fir- for the first time ever. I'll be listening to your show as it drops. It's been a wild six months binging you guys from laughing at dying on the hill. That was <laughs> Negan being pronounced like Megan. To saying that you, <laughs> I remember that. To saying you're done with the show if insert terrible writing that The Walking Dead would inevitably pull off. <laughs> and how excited I was in skipping ahead to season 11's coverage here and there and still hearing you guys calling out how Maggie was just never gave a shit about Doodlebug and the fact that you still mm-hmm. called her Doodlebug. <laughs> Thanks for all the entertainment. You've made me a hardcore Bald Move fan who will be backing you, presumably at support.baldmove.com. Uh, you love to hear it. We mm-hmm. converted. We converted a listener into a follower through our stupid The Walking Dead show, Jim. Yeah, I guess if there's one positive that's come from this show, a lot of people found us through this thing, and somehow they stuck with us. I think like that's more that that's going to be more likely to happen in these later seasons because you already know what kind of show you're in for. I I, I just wonder like how many people were with us early on when the show was actually good and are still here after 10 seasons of us shitting on the show, essentially a fair bit, a fair bit to be like, you know, when it comes up uh, amongst the community, I mean, we heard in lunch the last few weeks, like this is a big end of an era for a lot of people. Uh, And there's still like, Mm -hmm. we still got a a lot more uh, stuff like this to, to get through too. So yeah, like, yeah, this this has been maybe not our best net to drag people into the community, but it's been one of our biggest, longest, most well-constructed nets, like in terms of the number of episodes, in terms of the, the the amount of time we've been doing it, in terms of like the consistent tone and quality of it. Like, yeah, long tail, long tail in this project. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to to catch up before it ended. Yeah, uh, it's and, pretty, and- pretty sweet. Yeah, that's a that's a, a crazy commitment. Binge. That's a you lot. You turn through some hours, dude. Uh-huh. Uh huh. JP says this show started off very good, and I loved it. It's never been an A plus show. Even the hollow ground of season one had two shit episodes. Vatos and the CDC out of six. Hmm. There's little point in discussing the politics of AMC budgets and cynical approaches to show running that have been done to death by more informed commentators than me. For, the, for me, the show has just stayed ahead of the CW level crap with a C, C plus uh, average. Mm-hmm. 
Some thoughts overall, though. The comics always seemed ahead of the show, so there was a clear and successful blueprint to follow. But at almost every fork in the road where a creative decision needed to be made, the showrunner, a writer at the time, made the wrong one. And other than all the external factors, the biggest flaw of the show has been has been a compound effect of poor creative decision after poor creative decision. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Even those which are considered a success, like the inclusion of Daryl. By creating Daryl, the ongoing comic narrative of Rick's rotation of right hand men and women went up in a puff of smoke. Shane, Tyrese, Abraham, Dwight, Andrea, Carl was a rotation which created emotional investment and trauma when one went to be replaced for another, as well as brand new dynamics. Half of these characters fell by the wayside because Daryl was an ever present. And while this created certain opportunities for the long term story, which paid off for me, it resulted in an overall net loss. You know, this is a solid point that like creating Daryl Dixon undid that engine where Rick always had to find someone else that he could rely on and changed him as a character and changed the group dynamic. And cause he always had Daryl Daryl and Daryl was never going to turn against Rick. It's unthinkable mm-hmm. or push him in any way. So it was the one time they fought in a Walker pit. Yeah. Right. Uh, that didn't, that just made them even more bros and they got out. <laughs> in my opinion, the show put together some great a episodes, the pilot, it the pilot is flawless. The yeah. pilot is the one of the best pilots I've ever seen. Uh, the season two finale, uh, the the big barn blowout, yeah. Palooza. Uh, what Infinite is this? Shotgun. Was, that, was that the what is this episode? No, it's not that. That's the one okay. where they're just driving around, f- pumping headshots into zombies. Oh, right. Michonne got introduced, yeah. and they they leave the farm. Herschel uh, shooting over people's shoulders with a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, the season six finale and viewed in tandem with season seven, episode one. I guess that's the head smashing one. That seems about right. The first one, anyway. Okay. Because we got two. I, head I dislike. I, I really dislike the head smashing on the the Negan head bash. Well, because they Cause fucked it was it such up. a cheap ass cliffhanger. Yeah, it was the worst. They, and they fucked it up. They they zigged on the comics just to you know keep the listeners just to zig. Engaged, or watchers yeah. engaged. Um, these are the exceptions, though, and it said there's maybe one grade A arc. Uh, what's the often overlooked six episode run where they first came to Alexandria? The Whispers is a close second, but this always dragged on for me too long. Borderline. I, I they did run out of gas at the very end of season 10. Uh, by the end, we had a season finale, which killed off Sela's character who had less than five minutes of screen time in three years and Rosita. When she fell into the herd, I thought they were actually going to go for it, but immediately felt deflated when she neoed her way out. In terms of the finale itself, as a means of wrapping up the crap that came before it, it didn't make a lot of sense. They nailed the emotional beats. Maggie, Negan, Rosita, Eugene, Gabe, Coco, Carol, Daryl, J- Daryl, Judith, even Luke's deathbed were all well done. And the Luke scene deserves a shout out because I didn't think I could give a fuck about any of these characters. Yet watching it got me thinking, when do we actually see raw emotion like that in the show? I suppose the finale summed up the show well. Great actors doing a great job in spite of a logical script, cheap F- SFX. Good practical FX, all undermined by cynical money-grabbing ventures and a part of AMC. Yep. Yep. It's Summed a faithful, faithful finale. Nicole says, hey, guys, thanks so much for getting me through to the end. I was so glad to know I wasn't alone regarding the last 10 minutes. Gimple's final flourish worked about as well as a Band-Aid on a shark bite. I had no idea what the context of time and space was between them or what led the barefoot Rick and Michonne's brand new battle gear. Rick or no Rick, there's no excuse big enough in the world to smooth other Michonne's abandoning her kids for a couple of years in the zombie apocalypse, especially when a huge part of her story is losing her first child to zombies when she was gone on a supply run. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem when you go 11 seasons, you got to write Denia Guerrera off the show, even though she should not be written off. But you don't want to kill her because right, you want right. to bring her back for the movie. But you can't. This, this is where finance, this is where commerce clashes with uh, art. And yeah, the art needed her to die if she needed to leave the show. The commerce yes. demanded that she did not. So yes. which and- which option do you think AMC went with? And Commerce also demanded as her, uh, you know, as her name rose and she got attached to Marvel Pictures that they could no longer afford her. So, like, exactly. it's, yeah. And, and 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 hustling through the plot would have solved all those problems, likely. Um, Nicole says, I can't wait for Chris Hardwick's tell-all memoir to come out in a couple of years. Oh, tell, oh, tall Tales God. of the Walking Dead, How I Stayed Alive for 12 Seasons. Thanks again and see you for The Last of Us. For sure. I That is a book I would absolutely buy. Uh, I it, yes. if if it were framed that way, I I'm not going to buy the like fluff piece that is yeah. Chris Hardwick's you know yeah. autobiography that fellates Glenn Mazzara and Scott Gimple for for 500 pages. I want to know about that. all the 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 fucking diva shit that Scott Gimple pulled behind the scenes and all the yeah yeah. I just wanted I I want him to deep dive into his own psychology during the Walking Dead years. Like I, I know it's money. I know it's money at, at its core and and a career in Hollywood. I get that and that's understandable. But I want to know day to day how did you feel doing this thing that you yeah. knew you were a shill for? Yeah, you you are seeing tweets coming in from the dim, the 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 Glenn dumpster dive and you're trying to uh-huh. fish out the one positive thing like what's going on in your mind you're live this is live television <laughs> right. i think at this point in the series i think it was yeah cuz i thought i saw real fear in his eyes a few times <laughs> uh, yeah he he didn't want to go back to a another season of fuck what was it heartbreakers uh what was his mtv dating show i can't remember Hey, don't shamble off. We'll be right back after the break. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokers Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back, survivors. Here's even more about The Walking Dead. Okay, man, we got so many, so many great uh, pieces of feedback here. Um, Hannah says, I think I always felt like the show would end with a higher casualty count. Maybe that's part of me very much missing the anyone can die vibe of earlier seasons. Perhaps my lack of interest in many of the later introduced characters left me hopeful for more interesting deaths. Well, I did like Rosita and was touched by her passing. It lacked a show shock of when poor Noah was torn apart in front of Glenn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It always thrilled me about the show. The love hate feeling I had with Beth died uh, when Beth died made me vocally scream at my TV set, but coming back for more on next Sunday. I'm curious who you think they could have killed the more shocking sudden way that compete with the likes of Noah and Junebug. So, 
One thing about us saying that the season 11 is the worst season is I wish we could watch season 11 with the memory of the spinoffs flash from our mind because there were several scenes I think we talked about that would have been genuinely terrifying or whatnot, but we knew that Negan couldn't die or Maggie couldn't die or Carol couldn't die or Daryl couldn't die. Even though it's late season Walking Dead, we should have been on high alert every single time they were in danger. So like that sucks that the show kind of neutered their own engine. So like, what would be the point of, yeah. So like who could they kill in a more shocking sudden way? Like, any of the kids, Jerry would have been a big one, <laughs> uh-huh, Aaron, sure. but like, yeah, Gabe is just Rosita Jr., right? Rosita Jr., okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, did he not come after them? I know that they, they kind of appeared around the same time, but I think they, they, they he came in Johnny, Johnny lately, mm-hmm. but. You're right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they could have because the ones the ones that could have generated that kind of emotion were the crown jewels in spinoff shows. Yeah, I think for me is they they kind of had already killed any real emotional attachment I had to these characters. Like occasionally they'd squeeze out a couple of of drops of emotion in like what they considered their biggest uh, most perfect emotionally charged scenes. Like it, it would, it would almost get back to a place where I cared about these characters, but I have long since lost any feeling for these characters because they've become, I, I mean, you can only see Daryl in danger so many times and go, well, he's going to get out of it. You can only see these characters make stupid decisions all the time and continue to care about them for so long. And then I just, these characters aren't people. At this point, these characters are characters. They're just like mm-hmm. pieces to be moved around a board, not people to be worried about. So I don't think there's anything they could have really done to wring a ton of emotion out of me because the show had, had long passed that point. And it's hard to do a counterfactual where we watched the, fin- the last two seasons not knowing about the spinoffs and not knowing that Rick and Michonne are still out there and not know like, you know. yeah. It's it's hard to say, but like I I think I, I my my comments on the finale stand. I think they did as good a job as they could have done with the materials they had that they could do things with, including the showrunner who had already been spurned, probably knew it at that point. I mean, it's, um, it's so exploitative. Like I, I, they're trying to they're nakedly trying to exploit my emotions at every turn, and that just makes me resist it even more. Right? Like you you get the cliffhangers of like. Oh, who's who's Negan going to kill? He bashed somebody, but who was it? Like, it's so stupid that, man, it makes me mad so about cheap. all. I, I especially know. since the guiding principle seemed to be we can't do exactly what the comics do, because if we did that, right. we bore the comic. And like, I've you know, I've said this a million times at the height of The Walking Dead's popularity mm-hmm. in comic form. It had a circulation of just under 200,000 people at the height of The Walking Dead's popularity. The show at 18 million. Why the fuck are you changing shit? Because you want to surprise the comic book fans. That's like, 
Yeah. Like Peter Jackson having Frodo die to Shalab because, well, people are expecting her to be safe. So it'd be real. Like, well, then who's going to throw the fucking ring in the crack of doom? Like, y- right. Y- that, and, and I forget who the, the emailer said that, like, is the compounding poor storytelling choices where mm-hmm. this show is like a zombie forced to tread, trod, 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 tread in the steps of its comic book forefather, but it kept zigging. But it was still forced to follow that same path. So when you get to these events, like you get the events with half the people that are gone that made the storytelling uh-huh. beats work or they're fundamentally different characters or mm-hmm. so like. And then, and then I, just, couple- I just de-invest. I uninvest emotionally yes. from any of it because I, I can see nakedly what they're doing, what they're, what yeah. they're trying to do, which is ring a dollar bill out of me. Lena said, just want to say thanks for such a fun ride at The Walking Dead. Well, thanks, Lena. This is how I found you all, so I'm especially grateful for the show. Again, pretty big net we've cast here. Uh, Although I've stopped watching when you all did, I still have listened to every podcast and was so excited during COVID that you came back. My only wish is we get one last final feral Daryl from Aaron before he put the show up. (laughs) I don't know, Daryl. You think you got one more left in you? Nah! Nah! All right. That's it. It's the last one. Nah! Kate says, who has a list of bullet point questions for us? Who is your favorite and least favorite character on the show? Uh, while you're thinking about it, she parenthetically says, for me, it's Carol, Herschel, Senior, obviously, and Daryl for favorites. Least oh, favorite would be Dwight. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boring, unlikable, poor man's Daryl Dixon, Dwight. Uh, favorite <laughs> character. I mean, it's pretty hard to beat Daryl Dixon. I mean. Sure. He was uh, the yeah, original King Dies Be Riot character, right? Mm-hmm, totally. And Carol being the more impressive because she was such a kind of like nothing character for the first yeah. two or three seasons. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it it's probably Carol, ultimately. I, I don't know. They tried to they tried to squeeze out the parent arc with Daryl and at the very end here, and I feel like they got 90% of the way there, and that was pretty good. But Carol had like a really satisfying arc over tons, tons of seasons. <laughs> so probably uh, Carol's my favorite. Least favorite character. I'm still going with Lori. It's Magna. Man. Magna. Oh, it, it might be recency bias, but it's Magna. Yeah. 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 For a couple of reasons, because a she sucked for 90 percent of her screen time, but then right. she stopped getting screen time. At the end of it, they just like they kept sucking somehow. Yeah. (laughs) When she stops getting screen time and she's still sucking. Uh Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's like I said, Lori, Lori for me uh, just and it's like it's just such a Mm -hmm. such a character assassination too. Yeah. Uh, That's why I like I was originally impressed by Gimple is like that he backed us the fuck off of that Lori death fiesta that like we did it because we said we we're going to mm-hmm. but like after I saw that episode I felt like such an ass like if you listen to that podcast it's funny because we're just like we feel like so bad for the <laughs> uh-huh. fiesta but like also here's the fiesta uh, favorite and least favorite villain weird flex but I thought Stephen Ogg as Negan's henchman in the end of season 6 stands yeah. out as my favorite even more so than Negan himself Least favorites got to be the Slaptown police lady or Jadis. Oh, I know God, we've Jadis. since learned that it was all an act, but come on. The post-apocalyptic trash person dialogue. 
that point is literally less than 10 years since the world is normal and you're talking like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I was wrong about uh, my least favorite character. It's Jadis. I fucking hated Jadis. I, <laughs> it, it was, I don't care that it was a ruse, that it was all a put on. It sucked. Every second she was on screen was torture. And to the extent that's a root, that's like, I think mostly world beyond details. So I don't even like, she's still a weirdo that like they try to ship with father gate. Like, boy, best trade up in the history is moving from Jadis to Rosita. Right. If you're Gabe. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, There are just so many bad characters on this show. It's hard to, it's hard to nail down. I forget some of the bad characters like Gareth. I didn't think was a very good character mm. uh but there there's so many of them and some of them are minor right like tasha yar shows up in this show <sighs> yeah as serving a, up a, a hot plate crazy cannibal character at some point uh here's here's one how about uh shane favorite villain uh yeah shane's shane's good i love i love shane as i, I hated shane but i loved him as an antagonist he was great um. Yeah, villain, least favorite. I mean, I mean it's kind of cheating to say Jadis, but yeah, Jadis. But definitely Jadis. I can't think. I'm like that's that's like yeah. I yeah. I don't know if anyone ever like maybe the governor. I okay. I think David Morrissey was a terrible choice for the governor hmm. because the governor in the comics is not supposed to be a nice guy that you're kind of taken in by. He's mm. clearly a sleazy bad guy the whole time, and they bring this kind of charming guy and give him a love affair with uh, Andrea and all that. Yeah, nah. I think I think he's amongst my least favorite. Yeah, I I don't know if I if I take him out of the context of the comics. I think there there was like a season there where it could have been good if they had not drug it out that long. Well, there there again, yeah, that was just a season three and done. Yeah. yeah. But what do you think the show is? Oh, go uh, ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say. I guess once you like smear shit on the prison walls, you don't want to. You don't want to do all that work. I mean, it took a lot of time for the crew to smear shit on the prison walls. You need to this keep that around for two seasons. This is true. Uh, when do you think the show is at its best? Uh, and Kate says parenthetically, despite inconsistencies, for me it's seasons two through four up until they meet Father Gabriel. Upon rewatch, it's where the wheels truly start falling off, in my opinion. Of course, there are some highlights after that, but they were few and far between. Yeah, I think where I thought the wheels fell off was when we got to the Hunter arc and they fucked all that shit up just to make pointless changes to. Um, Mm -hmm. That's where it's like, oh, the Gimple thing is going to be the same as the Mazera arc. Um, The show is at its best, I think, season one. But... I also think there was something that they could have had going from four to six and they fucked it up with the Abraham Glenn and the, you know, uh head smash reveal and especially the Glenn dumpster like mm-hmm. season seven, I think is the thing that really killed the walking dead for me. And I was just kind of shambling along for two seasons, but I, I think four through six had that kind of because man, the finales were. Do you remember that? Like we get so fucking pissed off at the mid season where this thing's flailing around and bitching about the sixteen up, and then they the finales were amazing, and the season <laughs> premieres were amazing. We're like fucking hell yeah, Gimple's finally got the shit together. He's he's made the step forward. He's taking a big stride forward, <laughs> and then we get the mid season five, mid season, and it's all bullshit again. Yeah, I I agree with your your season assessment. 
Uh, show it at its worst. She says is season six through nine. Uh, we're going to say season eight, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, any deaths that stand out is particularly impactful, whether for gruesome or emotional reasons. Um, obviously, at Glenn and Abraham, she cites the governor chopping into Herschel's neck will always stick out as a bad one. Uh, the episode where Tyrese dies fucked me up. Uh, not sure if you guys remember, but it starts off tricking the audience into thinking the group is mourning Beth when we come full circle to see they're actually burying Tyrese. One of the better written episodes mm. of the whole run. Uh, Noah getting ripped up. That's the one. Yeah. Noah getting pushed up against the glass door and getting filleted alive mm-hmm. while you're looking right into his face is one that always kind of sticks out to me. I, uh, I mean, the Lori death was was rough. That was. If I had to pick one, <laughs> you wouldn't have guessed it leading up to it, but the moments of her death were really sad. Yeah. Uh, you know, Scott Gimple, say what you will. He did deliver that banger of an episode. And I don't know, maybe that was like C plus dialogue given to like really good actors. And then you had Lori and like poor fucking Carl's there bawling his eyes out and Maggie's ball like it, it, it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to f- not feel something for mm-hmm. a mother in that situation. So. um. Let's see. Anything you wish you could have seen on screen other than a zombie baby? Uh, she says swearing. <laughs> I'll never understood how the TV yeah. powers that be were okay with a match, watching a man get a skull beaten in or attempted rape of Carl, but not with people in the zombie apocalypse dropping the occasional F-bomb. It's, yeah. it, and it's all, it comes to a crescendo, an amazing, uh, completely neutered crescendo when Rick turns around on the bridge or whatever he did and says, they don't know who they're screwing with. Yeah. And we all know what that line was supposed to be. And it just, it's, it's so weak. It's just completely impotent when you say screw versus fuck. Yeah. It just really said, it just makes, you just know you're watching a TV show. Uh-huh. Pull yeah. me right out of it. Yeah. Uh, any favorite memories or in jokes that have transpired from covering the show? Um, she says barley equals intellect still cracks me up. Yeah. Um, the red just cold rolled steel is really funny. Mm. <laughs> Anytime I, we did a skit around something, I, those, those memories are just like stuck in my head forever. Cooking with Carol. Uh, like you mentioned the, the Ezekiel Renfair stuff, like all that is so good. Yeah, and there's, there's the one that I think always makes me laugh the most. It's my own joke, so I don't know what to tell you about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, but sure. the the where, where the episode where I think it was Andrea shot Daryl mm-hmm. by mistake. I had this bit going where every time Andrea came around the corner of the Herschel heart, I made it like that she took aim and shot at somebody. And the one I had with Lori was like, oh, my God, this this frail (laughs) zombie with the straw like hair. You can tell she was once beautiful, but death is robbed. And it's just Lori. It's just Uh fucking Lori (laughs) because because I just hated her so much. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that, That one. I've uh, I remember back in the day listening to that and cracking myself up. So every once in a while, every once in a while, mm-hmm. I come up with a good one uh, on reflection. When do you think would have been the best time for the show to end? And here's the thing. I think it's appropriate for them to end at the Commonwealth. We just should mm-hmm. just be the end of season seven. Yeah. yeah. If every major arc was like the imagine if the savior arc was 16 banger episodes if the Whisperer arc was 16 banger episodes, if the Commonwealth arc was sick, 
I think this is a show that probably, if it's ending around the same time as Game of Thrones, we're probably saying it beats Game of Thrones. And if they just do the same thing, they just hurry up. They just do the hurry up offense on it because Game With of Thrones. Ending, yeah, uh, yeah, Game of Thrones really let us down in the final season. So sure, because I can see this this squeaking out a win. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was one of the few crossover. Like people were taking this genre piece at face value as a as a golden age television show and it just consistently shit the bed so and i, and I don't want anybody to misconstrue that and th- say that oh jim thinks uh, walking dead could have been a better show than game of thrones no i think game of thrones one through five seasons are almost uh beyond reproach they're they're amazing television the walking dead never hit the heights of of game of thrones ever until game of thrones completely shits the bed at the end then maybe the walking dead can win the final season yeah and it's, to be fair i think uh we retroactively see the game of thrones sh- bed shitting stretching back to season six sure it's just it we kept thinking there, but... surely they're going to some place it's going to be good and it's going to make all this make sense and no so like yeah, it would have been an interesting conversation if they were if Walking Dead had had done like and also the massive amount of profits they made at the height of this show. If they had put that in to make the sets better and the zombie effects mm-hmm. even greater and the special effects, but it just kept on getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper as things went on. It's a real what if. It's one of the greatest what ifs in my television critic career is like what if AMC had put money back into this show and try to make it truly great. What if Darabont for the entire run of this? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the Darabont plan. He's like, Oh, well I made six episodes on a shoestring budget as a proof of concept. Now you want me to make 16. Cool. Can I have like three times the budget? Oh, I'm getting less. Uh, fuck <laughs> uh-huh. you. Like, what if they had just said, well, of course you're going to get three times the budget. And in fact, four times make it even better. Frank, God, yeah, what, what, what do you need? You tell us what you need. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. The HBO strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt from Sacramento says in the finale episode, Aaron was pondering how much time he'd spent podcasting about The Walking Dead. Thought it might be around 500 hours. It's got me curious as I've listened to all your coverage of the show and too wondered how much of my life I've spent thinking about this roller coaster of a show. So I took the time and did the math. In total, you've spent approximately 383 hours talking about The Walking Dead. This breaks down okay. approximately 272 hours of recap episodes, 16 hours of instant takes, 28 hours of season preview wrap-ups, 19 hours mm. of pure feedback episodes, and 48 hours of live watches. As best I can tell, you did live watches for each episode <laughs> for season 6, 7, and 8. A few other notable facts. Your shortest episode was 33 minutes for episode 103, Tell It to the Frogs. Okay. Unbelievable that we did a 30 minute episode on an hour television show. We used to shoot for an hour long podcast. That doesn't happen anymore. Uh, yeah. Wild. Also that it was, it was the good part of the walking dead where it was so short. Those, those were rewatch episodes. Those were like, true, let's hurry true, up true. and get caught up for season two. Yeah. 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 Your longest recap episode is two hours and 36 minutes for the season five finale. Christ. Honker. Your average length of your recaps comes in at one hour and 32 minutes. Sounds right. There you go. Did the math. Uh, Adam in. So this guy tweeted. Uh, I, I talked about this, I think, on lunch. He tweeted at me that he had started watching us with eighth grade, in eighth grade, and he's mm-hmm. finishing up. 
what the series and he, he elaborated this in email. Adam says, my God, where to even begin? I was in eighth grade and 13 years old. when I started listening to the watching dead. <laughs> my worst nightmare, by the way, uh-huh. even though that's definitely too young to be listening to your podcast. My bad. Mm-hmm. It's something I'm so glad I found between seasons two A and two B. I'd caught up with the comics and needed more walking dead content. I tried this new thing called podcast. I'd never touched before was 2010, I think. Uh, so they're still somewhat new. I immediately love the show and it was awesome to interact with a group of people who also love the walking dead and your podcast. I think the first time you read one of my emails was on TS-19 when you went back to cover season one. I remember writing about Jennifer whispering to Rick that everyone was infected. I also said the virus might be a government conspiracy. Definitely hits a bit different now. I think it's hilarious Mm. that we were reading a 13-year-old's feedback on our podcast. And, you know, good on you, man, because I didn't, you know, you know, I I don't remember ever thinking like, oh, Jesus Christ, a 13-year-old's writing us in, so... Good job. Good job uh, blending in with the olds, Adam. Uh, I listened to your show for the next 78 years until you guys finally decided to call it quits. I'd actually stopped watching a few episodes prior, but I still listen to the <laughs> podcast. Once you guys picked up the show again and seemed to be having a good time, I binged the stuff I hadn't seen uh, to catch up, and now we're here. It's so crazy to me that this series is coming to an end, even though there will be six spinoffs. I listen to so many of your other shows now, and you guys and the whole Bald Move crew has been such a genuine and real such genuine and real people that I swear it's shaping into a better person. I know how ridiculous that sounds, but I was barely a teenager when I started listening and I honestly feel like the way you guys talked about the world, people, media, and so on had a major influence on me. Your open-mindedness and emphasis on not just being on just being a good, honest person is something I've held on to. I don't know if we properly prepared you for this world you live in, Adam, but fuck (laughs) it. It's the way I've always gone. So let's just go down swinging with the good, honest people thing. All right. Uh, anyways, this, t- uh, this is way too long of an email, but it's really crazy to me that as I turn 25 in a few weeks, I'll, and I've therefore been listening to this podcast for about half of my life. I'll continue mm. to support you guys and listen to whatever shows you cover that I also enjoy listening to watching dead has been an awesome experience, but also surprisingly impactful on my life. If you're ever in Vancouver, BC, I'll buy you guys a beer or six. Well, thank you, Adam. That's very touching and semi-unbelievable that we have been yeah. half of someone's life. That's fucking incredible and uh, very touching. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the few shows that we can that, that, that anyone could really claim that, right? <laughs> like, okay, you do a six six season show, and a six year old right. writes in and says, "I'm 12 now. I started listening when you when I was six. <laughs> I, I, I don't want that on my resume. I do definitely don't. But like, yeah, yeah." A 13-year-old turning 25 saying you were half my life. I I, I feel that. And then this is one of the few shows we could do. The The other one was um, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul because that was a similar mm-hmm. amount sure. of time in a universe, mm-hmm. um, though it wasn't one show. I'm, I'm always blown away by this because I have similar experiences with podcasters who I've been listening to for mm-hmm. over a decade. Um, and they, they do shape who you become, I think, especially at an impressionable age in your teens where you're trying to figure that out too. Uh, I'm glad you feel we've been a positive influence. I hope we don't have the counterpoint. Somebody writing in says like, I'm a burnt out, washed up 25 year old and you fuckers ruined me. I had a bright future ahead of me. I was most, most likely to succeed in high school. And now mm-hmm. I've hit the skids because I but, tried heroin because Jim and Aaron made it sound cool. And that's right. wrap up episode of the walking dead. No, but I'm, I'm, 
I'm grateful for this email because it does make me feel like it, it makes me think about how much of my own life has has transpired under the uh, the cloud of the Walking Dead. And I I feel like it's been good. It's been good. And this goes all the way back to the beginning of Bald Move. So, well, I just had a recent nice. experience that uh, Mike from the Penny Arcade crew just tweeted that they've been doing this for 25 years. Wow. Yeah. So for more than half of my life, I've been following these bubble fucks and their stupid comic about video games. And I've come I've I've gone away. I've come back. I've gone away. I've come back. I've gone their cons. And I, but like they've been like this big, uh, you know, and like so much of Bald Moves modeled on them. So I, I get it. Like, I, I mm-hmm. do get it. But it's one of those things where it's like it's almost too big to take in. Yeah. You know, like yeah. when someone says. You know, we got countless emails of like, you know, my mom or dad just died at the hospital, and the only thing that's got me through is your guys' podcast and stuff. Like when when you hear things like this, or like I first found you when I was thirteen, now I'm twenty five, spent half my life with you. It's like it's so, I, yeah, I, I don't know what I don't know what to say, but it is it is it is very touching, and yeah, it's uh, something you don't think about often, but yeah, when, and I'm when glad it's I up, I'm it's... glad I have I'm I guess it, it makes me think because I've always you know we started we started doing this in our mid. You're in early 30s. I was in my mid 30s, kind of, I think. I was like 28. I I was in my late 20s when we started this. But but we weren't like, yeah, I see some of these kids on Twitch and YouTube and they're famous at like 18. And, you know, I I think we've always spent a little bit of thought about like, how do we approach this stuff? How do we talk about things? How do we build a community? That I don't think we would have done if we were younger men. And I'm so fucking glad when I hear shit like this. You know, right? Because um, because you're going to affect people's lives one way or another. Whether you put some thought into how to do it, you know, right. better than than worse. So, um, but yeah, I, I appreciate you taking the time to lay it all out for us, Adam. And yeah. uh, hopefully, we've got much much more of our lives ahead of uh, of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, at Tyson. some point, maybe we'll have been eighty percent of your life. Oh my god! Oh yeah, yeah. We can't ever get a hundred percent, unfortunately, until we no. fit time travel. But although uh, we did have somebody watching a lunch in the in the uh, delivery room, that's so true. We can go for a hundred. We've already got it. We've already we go got for it. The full hundo. We just have to. <laughs> we just have to hold on to that traffic. Maybe. Damn it. Mm-hmm. We should get back on the book of Boba and the Mandalorian. We got to capture the kid audience. There you go. There's no on ramp for these babies being born into lunches to, to, to enjoy our content. All right, we're gonna f- we're gonna f- end things with a toast that Tyson has written to us. A toast to Jim and Aaron. May their steel always be rolled the coldest. May their intellect come from bountiful fields of barley. May they never find themselves in a wide open field with a single stealth walker. May they always show competence with a bow. May they never encounter trash people, and may they always take as much time as they like in life and death situations to talk about some unrelated trauma from long, long ago. May they give farming a shot now and then. May their congregation find strength instead of weakness when being locked outside their doors. May they sport a mullet on the reg. May they be, la- <laughs> may they be allowed to morgalize deep into the night. May they always slide gracefully under dumpsters in times of great trouble. May their tigers always be CGI. May they never be interrupted by speaking with dead loved ones on the phone. May their cans overfloweth with pudding. And finally, may they not meet their demise before receiving extended dialogue and close-ups, providing us with rich new details about themselves, which will soon become irrelevant and forgettable. Thanks to you guys for covering the show. It's been some of the best comedy I've heard, and I will miss it for that reason. 
Me too, Tyson. I don't know if there'll ever yeah. be as memeable and lulzy a show that we cover for as long a term. I mean, like Black oh, Oil yeah. and Bee Stings, the X-Files stuff was right up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty, The Return of 24 and mm-hmm. President Grandpa was up. But those were just one and done kind of <laughs> larks. Uh, 11, to be fair, 12 to 13, if we're talking like in, in regular season years. Yeah, this this is this has been pretty amazing. And I, I it's one of the most consistently fun shows because, man, after like season six and seven, it's kind of house money. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Like, we've already talked talk how much we hate the show and people are still wa- listening. So, yeah, there's no wrong answers here. Uh, sure. What a ride. What a ride. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not sure if we'll be back to talk about any of the spinoffs. If we do, I, I, I imagine they'll be on the OTC uh, or off the clock premium because I doubt we'll do a full. But who knows? Who knows? I'm never going to say never again after p- the pandemic happened. But this is where we are leaving things for now. We appreciate everyone who's made it to the end with us. Uh, again, if you want to keep going in January, there's going to be another zombie show. It's a great just to slip right in to The Last of Us. Uh, you can subscribe to Bald Move Pulp if you want to follow along with that. Uh, follow us on twitter.com slash baldmove for however long that apocalypse lasts. Uh, and then, you know, bookmark baldmove.com if you still do things like that. Uh, because we're not going anywhere and there's lots of great television ahead in 2023. Uh, we've talked about a lot of it already on this podcast. Jim, any last thoughts from you? Uh, I mean, I want to thank the people who have stuck with us for this long. I know some of the OGs are still listening. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, that's not to leave out the people who found us on our final episode either. Like we, I'm thankful that everyone has continued to listen to us uh, for these these many long and arduous years. Uh, yeah, and I hope I hope you'll continue to follow us into our other shows because this you know what to expect by now. This is the kind of coverage we do, uh, and I'm I'm genuinely excited for some shows. Yeah, for most shows and then other shows uh we're probably gonna have a lot of fun with so yeah thanks yeah. everybody uh and that's gonna be where we put it the things to an end uh we hope you follow along with some other adventure that we're on here at baldmove.com but if this is the end it's been a good one uh until we meet again i'm aaron and i'm jim see ya see ya